And He is good. Yes, all the time. And He wants us to be good too. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, please. Ephesians chapter 5. And we have what I think is a very interesting and enlightening uh, study sermon this morning. I don't really care what you all call what we do here on Sunday morning. It doesn't matter to me. If it's a lesson, if it's a sermon, if it's um, a talk, I don't care about the uh, semantics of, of the label. I just care that we get the Word of God. Yes. Amen. <coughs> and this morning, I think there are some things in this passage that will be helpful for us. And um, um, maybe we can... Maybe we can learn together today. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, it's, um, it's really an interesting passage of Scripture. The first sentence is interesting to me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And as I began to think about that verse of Scripture... Uh, I began to, to struggle with the idea that we are to be imitators, imitators of God. I don't, that's a new one for me. Um, I've been, uh, all my, all my lifetime, even most of my ministry until the last four or five years at the very most, I have used the King James Version of the Bible, which says uh, that we are to be followers of God. You've heard that, right? You've read that. We're to be followers of God. So when I read in the New King James, and there's not very many times, honestly, when you read the New King James that there's a variation from the King James other than the these and the thous. That's mainly it. The canst and canst not, you know, the, the, the 1611 um, language. Other than that, it's very, very close. But this is one of those times... When a word has been translated differently in uh, the New King James, and it reads, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. So since I wasn't used to that word, I wasn't used to the word imitators, I was used to the word followers. So I had to go back and look at that word because I don't want to stand here in front of you and say something that's not right. So I try to check my facts before I get here and do my homework. So I took out the Strong's Concordance, which if you're not familiar with it, it has a lexicon in the back, which is a dictionary. And you can look up a Greek word. And all of you know that the words here that we read in English were not the original. They didn't speak English back then, believe it or not. They spoke Greek. And so I looked at the Greek word that's translated imitators here and translated followers in the... Um, King James Version of the Bible, and you know what I found the word meant? Imitators, comma, followers. It's the same word. It's the same meaning. If you follow after someone and do what they do, you are imitating them, right? And so the Bible says here that we are to be imitators of God as dear children, but the way that struck me was a little strange. We're to imitate God? How could we imitate God? But the more I thought about it, and then when I found out that that indeed was the definition, we are to be, and the Lord is the one who is telling this through the Apostle Paul, we are to be imitators of God. And the more I thought about that, the, the clearer it began to 
to, to appear in my mind. So I've got some pictures here that I want to share with you of children imitating their parents. Isn't that cute? I'll tell you, that guy must be every bit of seven or eight years old, and there he is shaving. That's got to be a record, right? Uh, but he sees daddy doing it. So what's he doing? He's imitating his father. Next one, please. Here's one of a young lady doing the same thing mom's doing. I declare that looks like a credit card in her hand to me. I'm not sure. So she must be on the phone buying something from somewhere. And the little girl's got a card in her hand. Can you believe that? She's imitating her mother. And that happens every day, doesn't it? Our children do that. The next one, please. This this father looks like he may be in deep thought. And you know how it is. You have to look like you're in deep thought when you are. So he's got his hand on his chin there. And lo and behold, little boy sees his dad doing that. Well, he's going to do it just like dad does and put his hand on his chin as he's thinking there. Next one, please. Now, this this father is standing on his head. Now, I don't know why he's doing that, uh, but he's doing it. And the, the little boy beside of him is trying to do the same thing. Now, he's not been successful at it quite yet, but he's imitating his father as his father stands on his head. Next one. Here's a little girl. Her mother's back there ironing the clothes, and the little girl decides that she wants to do the same thing. She wants to be like her mother. She wants to iron, and there she is just going away with that iron. Next one. Here's a little boy. His dad's got a wheelbarrow load full of uh, mulch probably. And the little boy's out there with his boy size wheelbarrow. And he's got his boots on too. Look at there. And he's ready to help dad out. You ever remember doing things like that when you were little? Imitating your parents. Or maybe as a parent you saw your children imitating you. That's the way it works. We, we, we do what we see modeled for us. And all of these are great examples of children imitating their parents. And most of us don't walk this way. We don't walk down the road with our hands behind our back necessarily. But this gentleman looks like he's got a lot on his mind. And his little boy is walking behind him with his hands behind his back too. He's imitating his dad. And that's just the way things like that work. It's, um, it's has been said that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Think about that. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Now, that's a good thing. That's a good thing if the person you're imitating is setting a good example, right? But not all the time is that true, is it? Look at this next shot. Can you imagine any moron putting a cigarette in a baby's mouth? That baby is following a bad example. Now, I know probably somebody put it up to that, just stuck it in his mouth. The baby probably didn't even want to do it. But that's an example of how sometimes children are influenced in a negative way, in a bad way, instead of in a good way. Uh, it's not a good thing for anybody to be puffing on that. And it sure isn't good for a baby to be puffing on one, is it? But yet we see that as this baby uh, supposedly is imitating someone. Examples of children imitating bad examples, those abound. Those examples abound. 
But the scripture tells us that we are to be imitators of God as dear children. So think with me for just a moment. The, the words are very clear, aren't they? Be imitators of God as dear children. Well, children have a... Children have a... We were looking at the pictures. Children have a father. Thank you. Children have a father. The fact that there are children implies a father, correct? So the Bible says, be imitators of God the Father as dear children. We're His children. We are supposed to imitate Him. Very clear. Be imitators of God as dear children. Now, think about this. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, God said this, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. In other words, let us make man like us. Man was made to resemble God. He was supposed to resemble God. Amen? That's the way God created man. Let me give you some examples of that. The Bible says in Leviticus eleven forty four, The Lord says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Do you see how he's holy? And he tells us we're supposed to be an imitator of him and be like him and be holy too. We are also told in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin. How many of you believe God forgives sin? Do you know that he, that's one of the things he does, but he wants us to imitate that and he wants us to be forgiving too. Amen. God is a forgiving God. He wants his people to be a forgiving people. We're to be an imitator of God. And then in John chapter, first John chapter four, we're told that God is love. We're told that God is love. And we know what the Bible says about love and how important it is in the life of a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's so important that the Bible says that they will know that we are his disciples by our love. And so it's extremely important that we understand this idea as this chapter 5 begins that we are to be imitators of God. As dear children. In other words, we know. I know this, you know it. Not a one of us in this building don't understand this. That children usually take on some characteristics, even in appearances, like their mom and their dad, right? People tell me all the time, you'll never deny that boy's your son, talking about Nathan. Because evidently there must be some likeness there, I don't know. Uh, but that's what people say. And that happens a lot. It's, it's just the way things are. And we, as Christians, are supposed to bear some resemblance we're supposed to look like. And yes, even, even imitate God and do things the way God does things. That's what we're challenged and called to do in Scripture. Does that make sense? So then as we continue now, that's, that's, Point number one, now we're going to go to the next one, number two. We need to make sure that your actions fit. Now I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to use a little illustration here. The Bible says beginning at verse three, we're talking about now we're imitators of God. We're children of God. 
We're supposed to look like God looks. We're supposed to, to take on the, the appearance, the resemblance of our heavenly father. But verse 30 says, but fornication, sexual immorality, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, here's where we're going to be for the next few minutes. We have to understand as Christians that there are some things that are fitting for a Christian to do. And there are other things that are not fitting for a Christian to do. Christians can't do everything everybody else does. Ronnie, if you would come here and assist me. He knows this is coming, so he's not alarmed. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Now, Ronnie is going to represent this morning a saint. Now, if you... If you will, bear with me a minute and, and don't think of a saint, um, as much like the Catholic Church would where you have to do a certain number of things and perform a bunch of miracles and be recognized and all that. And then you can earn sainthood. That's not what we're talking about this morning. The Bible uses the word saint to describe us, God's people. If you read the New Testament, there's a lot of times we're called saints. We're called saints in this passage today. A saint is simply someone who is a holy one. And we're all supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be like our father. We're to be imitators of God. So we're all supposed to be holy. That shouldn't shock any of us. And so then as holy ones, the word that is used to describe that is saints. Saints are holy ones, or people who have been separated from the world and don't do the things the world does. They don't do the things the world does because they don't, they, they, as Christians, we march to the beat of a different drummer than the world does. The world follows the devil and the current trends and just goes with the flow. Christians don't do that. We listen to the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, lives in us, the Bible says. And we don't go the way the world goes. We go the way that our Father tells us to go. Amen? So here we have, as an illustration today, Ronnie is a saint. Doesn't he have on a holy-looking jacket today? As a matter of fact, we're going to let the jacket that he's got on this morning uh, represent righteousness or the fact that he's a saint. Are you with me? This jacket represents him being a saint. It's a, it's a holy, take that holy jacket off, would you? Incidentally, put it back on. Incidentally, would you say that that jacket that he's got on, that holy jacket, would you say that it fits him? Pretty good, huh? Yeah, you got the idea. So this, this is a fitting jacket for a saint. Correct? Because it's a holy jacket. All right, take that one off for me. Now, Nelda, relax. This is all an illustration, okay? Now, this jacket, however, this morning is going to represent sexual immorality. Now, Ronnie's a what? 
He's a saint. But let's see if the jacket that represents sexual immorality or fornication, let's see if it fits. Houston, we have a problem. Right? It doesn't fit him, does it? He is, he is a saint. He's a sanctified person. He is a, a Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that cloak, that cloak, that coat of sexual immorality, it's not fitting for him. Right? It, he has no business wearing that. Would you agree, Nelda? It looks ridiculous on you, Ronnie. It doesn't fit. So let's get it off. Let's get it off. Sexual immorality is not fitting on a, on a Christian, on a saint. Amen? Well, let's, let's talk about uh, lying a little bit. The Bible says that all liars will have their place where? In the lake of fire. Well, let's, let's put on this lying code a little bit. Not L-I-O-N, not lying, but, you know, lying. <laughs> now, he's a Christian. Is that lying coat fitting for him? How can you even wear a lying coat and be called a Christian? Christian means what? Christ-like. How can you wear a lying coat and call yourself Christ-like? Well, I think you're right. There is no answer. How can you wear a sexual immorality coat and call yourself Christ-like? There is no answer for that. It can't happen, can it? Uh, do y'all think it might be time we get real with our with our understanding of Scripture and living for God? I, I think it is. It's time we'd be imitators of God. If you would, Ronnie, take this one off, and let's um, let's make the next one. Let's make it un, un, unforgiveness. We talked about forgiveness already. Now the Bible tells us that if I can't forgive my brother. Oh, you, you, you're way ahead of me. If I won't forgive you for what you've done to me, then God won't forgive me for what I've done to him. It sounds like to me forgiveness is, is important, right? But if I, like some people I've heard and seen and know, if I, or if Ronnie refuses to listen to that admonition and he wants to put on the coat of unforgiveness, it's so big you can't even find his armor. Does that fit? It's, it's ridiculous to think that Ronnie Rose would go to the Triangle Town Center dressed like that. Is it not? And it's ridiculous to think that we are imitators of God if we have sexual immorality or unforgiveness or lying. Oh me. It's the truth. Now let's let's take this one off. Whew. I need to get a job at the mall. 
Oh, there it is. Now, if you think that one looks better on him, and if you get the point of all these shenanigans I've just gone through, would you give him a hand? Thank you, Ronnie. Make sure your actions fit. The next one we read about in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I want to read that again. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Now, we've already mentioned here, as we read in verse um, 5, we're talking about the kingdom of Christ and God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. The majority does not rule in the kingdom of God. Whose kingdom is it? Who rules in his kingdom? That makes it a theocracy, not a democracy. The, the word, the English word God in the Greek is theo. That's why we say God rules, a theocracy. The Greek word for people is demo, like demographic. It has to do with people. We need to be very careful who we're listening to. And what they're telling us, you know, it's just, I don't know why this just pops in my mind, but I always get irritated when somebody who's never been married wants to tell those of us who have how to have a successful marriage. Does that ever, does that ever irritate you? Listen, don't tell me how to live with a woman for 40 years if you hadn't lived with one yet. Right? And vice versa. You don't know. You hadn't been there. It's easy to give advice when you've never been there. But we're talking here about not hearing the advice that comes from the world. Because right now, the world is telling us we're making progress. We're doing well. We're, we're being open-minded now. We're learning. We're accepting that that it doesn't really matter if you just find somebody you love. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. Go ahead and get married. It's fine. It's the right thing to do. Even our Supreme Court says it's okay. But the Bible says, don't be fooled by empty words. Don't listen to everything you hear. Don't go with the majority. You don't, you don't follow. If everybody else walks off the cliff, you don't walk off with them. And the person that we listen to is not the person who talks and, and is so vocal and seems to be sure of himself. The person that we listen to is the one who's speaking the word of the Lord. We have to be very careful. They'll tell you it's okay even when God says it's not okay. I might remind you that the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Don't believe what he's peddling. Amen? 
Don't believe what the devil's peddling. It'll get you in trouble every time. Do not be partakers with them, verse 7 says. Do not be partakers with them. The next one, number four, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. What, as in case you haven't picked up on this yet, I've read through this passage and just picked out several phrases that just jumped out. First of all, we're to be imitators of God. And then we're to make sure that our actions are fitting for those of us who call ourselves Christians. And then we're to make sure that we're not deceived by empty words. Don't believe everything everybody tells you. And then find out if, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. The Bible says that in verse 10. Well, let's read, let's back up to verse 8. Walk as children of light. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, wait a minute. How are you going to find out what's acceptable to the Lord? That's the first one right there. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. How are you going to know what's acceptable to the Lord till you read your Bible? If you don't know, and listen, let me tell you this too. Don't believe everything you hear from somebody who's holding a Bible. Because a lot of guys now who are holding the Bible are tearing out parts of it. So we have to make sure we find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Find out what's acceptable to the Lord. There's a whole lot of things that are going on these days that is not acceptable to the Lord. And we don't just put our stamp of approval on it. We don't just go along with the flow. We don't just ignore it. The devil has been successful in many ways in the last few years of rocking the church to sleep. Well, it's not just the last few years. It seems it's always been that way because in verse 14... The Apostle Paul says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. In other words, it's time to wake up. Been a few times because of where we lived, we had to drive long distances. I can remember times when I would be driving down the road and I would get so sleepy. And just about every one of you in here probably done the same thing. I'd get so sleepy, I could not hold my eyes open. And there's been a couple times I've actually drifted off to sleep and then woke up like that and found myself having been asleep. Boy, I tell you, that's dangerous. You, you have to, you have to, I've got out in the rain and walked around the car several times and done all kind of things to try to wake myself up. I've driven down the, the interstate at 55 miles an hour in the wintertime with the windows down trying to wake up. Sometimes you have to do things because the spirit of slumber is deadly. The spirit of slumber will, will cause you to lose your soul if you're not careful. And so what we're told here is to 
Wake up. Shake yourselves. Fight that spirit of slumber with everything you've got. And get right with God and stay right with God. Wake up. And then number six, redeem the time. Now here's another one I thought of quite a bit because when I think of redeeming the time, and I'm just, I've heard that all my life and I'm thinking, well, I messed up for the first 20 years of my life and I didn't serve the Lord like I should have. So now I've got to put it into overdrive to make up for the lost time. Listen, you will never make up for the lost time. What you didn't do in 2017 up until this point, you might as well forget it. You can't do anything about it now. So redeeming the time in the sense of going back and making amends for what you did then or didn't do then and and catching up is is not going to happen. We just have to say, Lord, forgive me. And you start from this point forward doing things the right way. That's what redeeming the time means. As a matter of fact, the English Standard Version of that says, making the best use of time. That means in the coming year, making the best use of time. That sounds like pretty good advice to me. Let me tell you about time. Something I've discovered in doing a little research and preparation this week. This is from the Washington Post. Teens are spending more than one-third of their days using media such as online video or music. Nearly nine hours on average, according to a new study from the Family Technology Education Nonprofit Group, Common Sense Media. For tweens, those between the ages of 8 and 12, the average is nearly six hours per day. That's unbelievable. From the New York Times, the business section, the average time that users spend on Facebook is nearing one hour. Now, every time we get on Facebook, this is kind of scary, but you know what? They're tracking us. They know what we're looking at. They know how long we're looking at it, how long we're on it. And so the average time that users spend on Facebook is nearing one hour. In other words, when you get on, you usually stay an hour. Wow. That's more than any other leisure activity surveyed by the Bureau of Labor Statistics with the exception of watching TV and movies. Well, what about TV? The average American spends over five hours a day watching TV. That's two months nonstop of every year. That's at age 65, nine years of your life glued to the tube, it says. Wow. But I don't have time, Pastor, to read my Bible. My plate is just so full, I don't have time to pray 10 minutes a day. Right? I'll tell you what, we need to be finding out what we need to do to wake up and redeem the time. Because you can't repair the past, you can only come alive for the future. And we're going to have to get to the place where we make room and time for God. This sounds awful hard, and I wrote it down, and I'm, I've just got to tell you, it's the truth before I say it, it's the truth. We've got to make room for God, and we've got to make time for God, because He's not going to accept less. 
Because the very first commandment he gave to his people was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jesus said it this way, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And how can we, as Christians, as Ronnie was standing here, how can we, how can we ignore what I just said? How can we ignore no other gods before him? How can we ignore the fact that we're to put God first? And, and, and most of us could, we may disagree with some of these times, but we know that there's hours every day spent by most all of us watching television. And then say, we don't have time to read our Bible, to find out what's acceptable to God. And, and I didn't plan on saying this, but it just comes to mind here. When we stand before the Lord, it's not Pastor Ron that's going to give an account for any deficit of biblical knowledge that you have. That will be up to you. If you haven't read and you haven't studied, it won't, be any, it won't be any good to say, well, I didn't know. My goodness, all of us have Bibles. Most of us have a dozen. We've got Bibles all over the house. We can read. We can hear. We can comprehend the Word. And so it comes right down to redeeming the time and then understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord for you? Some people say they struggle with the will of the Lord. They don't know if God wants me to move here or move there or do this or do that. I'm going to tell you, before, any, before, before you need to get concerned with any of that, we need to get the basics straight. And that is that I can't call myself a Christian. I'm going to get these mixed up because I don't remember which was which. But I can't call myself a Christian if I'm a liar. I can't call myself a Christian if I'm sexually immoral. I can't call myself a Christian if I'm willing to, unwilling to forgive somebody. These are just things that the Bible states very plainly. And if you, if you believe that, would you say amen? These are things that we have to give attention to. How long can we keep ignoring the obvious? The Bible says be imitators of God. The Bible says make sure your actions are fitting for someone who is a Christian. The Bible says don't be deceived by empty words. Quit listening to what the world tells you about how you're supposed to live and start listening to what God's Word says about how we're supposed to live. Find out what's acceptable to the Lord. And the only way to do that is to go to the Word of God and search it out for yourself. Wake up. Matthew 25. There were ten virgins. Five were wise. Five were foolish. They were expecting a bridegroom to come. The bridegroom tarried. He waited. So they went to sleep. Now a lot of times I've heard preachers talk about how horrible that was. They went to sleep. Every one of us go to sleep. I think the point's not that they went to sleep, but before they went to sleep, five of them had oil in their vessels. The other five didn't. 
the fact was, the, the problem was not that they went to sleep because every one of us go to sleep every night, hopefully. The problem wasn't that they went to sleep. The problem was that five of them didn't do what was right and get right with God before they went to sleep. Ooh. Every day of our lives. Listen, folks, the the coming of the Lord is closer right now than it's ever been before. There is a prophecy that says that all nations will be gathered together against Jerusalem. And we interpret that verse automatically, we take it to Armageddon. And then I look back at what happened in our country in the last two weeks at the United Nations when all nations gathered themselves together against Jerusalem, except for the United States and one or two more. And I'm wondering, are we missing something? Are we oblivious to the fact that that things are at breakneck speed, they're coming together as the Bible said they would? And, and prophecy is being fulfilled every day before our very eyes, and we don't even realize it. So we need to wake up, according to what the Scripture says. We need to redeem the time. Forget about the past. Forget about what you didn't do. Forget about where you failed. If it was, if it was unforgiveness or sexual immorality or, what was the other one? Lying. And, and, a, and a whole list more. Read Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. If it's any of those things, don't, don't let the past keep you from doing what you need to do in the future. Redeeming the time means make use of your time. You can't make use of 2017 anymore. It's been spent. It's gone. But you can make use of 2018 and you can start today and make a difference. And now to me, forget New Year's resolutions. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a life change on which a whole lot of stuff hinges. Amen? A lot hinges.